It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about. It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept: uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force. That sort of controls our destiny,、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence, great pace, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and are dead, but you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello, and welcome back to Generation Skywalker. Here tonight for a one-off podcast video. If you're watching it on YouTube, chat with a few friends about something that we did in the summer that、uh, was quite cool and I think quite significant, certainly in our in our collecting journeys as a group of、um, like-minded people. So、uh, with me tonight, I've got in Leamington Spa, but banished to a darkened room, Kimberly Owen. Hello, Kimberly. Hi, I am residing with the dark side this evening in this room. <laughs> Feels very natural. I'm a bit worried about it. <laughs>、uh, and I've also got on the wire from Champaign, Illinois, Will and Robin Arnold. Hello, Will and Robin. Hi. Oh, hello. Nice to have you on、uh, on the show at last.、Mm-hmm. There's also a bit of ginger fluff that's floating around my. <laughs> Yeah, so I've got Flossy here with me, with me in the, in the bar. So yeah, but viewers and listeners will maybe know Kimberly from appearances on some of the beer shows we've done. But Will and Robin have been mentioned in dispatches for quite a while now.、Um, we've talked about how we met in Chicago at one of the beer shows, and we caught up and had a, a bit of a chat on the on the mic、uh, over in Anaheim.、Um, so like I say, it's really nice to have you here on a proper show talking about some proper stuff. Uh, and you know, it's a great opportunity for the Generation Skywalker audience to get to know some more new people, which is great. And we're all for that. Can't just be us all the time. So, what I thought it'd be nice to do is just go around and just very quickly have everybody just sum up a little bit of you know what shape their fandom takes. So, I'm going to start with Will. All right. Yeah. So.、Um... I am、uh, an artist. I do、uh, collage artwork and a printmaker. I make comics and zines.、Um, I make collage work out of old comics、um, and turn them into new pieces. 
And for most of my work is not really Star Wars specific, but a way that I think that shapes my collecting and my fandom is that I'm, I'm very into that printed matter um, and the old kind of paraphernalia and ephemera from Star Wars stuff and kind of the, some of the bits and pieces, the old ads in the comics, all that kind of thing. And uh, a way in the last couple of years that that's really come through for me is um, discovering the world of swag at Star Wars Celebration. Um, so 2019 in Chicago was our first celebration um, where we met you guys. And we also discovered the whole like swag community of people making cool just fan art and giving it away at the conventions. Um so I've gotten really into that in the last couple of years and just had a lot of fun with that. I make for the last few celebrations that we've been to little comics and books and stickers and things um, that have been mashups of kind of pop music stuff with Star Wars. Um, so if you're watching the video, you may be able to tell uh, I am a Max Rebo fan. I am a, a musician as well, a keyboardist. And so Max Rebo uh, on the Red Ball Jet organ is my Star Wars hero. But I've just had a lot of fun the last few years playing around with just, you know, mashing up, re-recording songs and making like little Star Wars art music mashups. And it's great stuff. Thank and you. People, if people want to see it, you share it when it's ready and, and when it's available on Instagram? Yeah. Yep. On Instagram at t.will.arnold. Um, and my my regular artwork, my non-Star Wars artwork is up there. But then uh, every year when Celebration rolls around, uh, it kind of converts into a Star Wars feed temporarily. And I, I go hardcore on the Star Wars. <laughs> and it's amazing. It, it really is. But your partner in crime, <laughs> with, with all things swag, uh, <laughs> is Robin. Yeah, I do the swag stuff with Will. And I enjoy finding ways to participate in that too. But yeah, for me, uh, I'm a collector. I collect toys, which is pretty standard, I feel like, for a lot of Star Wars fans to collect toys. But um, specifically when The Force Awakens came out, I was so frustrated that I couldn't physically find a Rey figure in any of our stores. And so I like am on this journey now of only buying the female six-inch Black Series figures, and my collection continues to grow. And I, you know, I pre-order all the new ones. So I have a pretty um, extensive six inch figure, all female collection. And then I also collect a lot of Vader's. Uh, Vader's my favorite character, but it's broad. I don't limit myself on, you know, original commissioned art, books, figures, headphones from the 90s with Vader faces on them. But I also, because I married an artist, I also admire a lot of art. Um, and especially those vintage eras. Um, I've been very lucky. We travel a lot and uh, hit a lot of used bookstores. And I have quite a collection of the vintage children's books. And I just love that hand-painted art look in all of those. Yeah, which is which is sort of part of the story tonight, really. I mean, one of the things that I, I admire about you both is just, you know, I see, I can see behind on the video, sort of little bits of your display, just how well curated and displayed and thought about it all is it really is sort of a beautiful collection and represents you both incredibly well so uh, yeah that's that, that's really lovely kimberly how's things down there in the dark basement it's all good it's all good i've got beer it is acceptable because it is after 8 p.m here while we're recording this so i just wanted to point that out just in case um I, I, it would be remiss of me not to mention beer because obviously a lot of my 
affiliations that the last couple of celebrations have been to do with beer um so you can look me up on all of the social channels craft beer pinup um if you've not been there um so at the last london event we hosted a, a i was gonna say a little get together but it actually ended up being quite big <laughs> with brew by numbers um and we did a little collab beer which was amazing i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get that to show you now i feel like i've got so many beers down here unlike robin and will mine is not selectively curated <laughs> So here is the collab beer that we did. You can still get these in selected outlets. I just thought I would do a little plug for Brew by Numbers and Empress Brewery. Um, so, yeah, I collect a lot of Star Wars beers. I think we're going to have to start taking the labels off the cans, though, because the actual can and bottle collection is just getting, it's taking over the whole um, stairway now. Um, so here's a couple of examples. They're pretty cool. We've got these two from Empress. Um, I'm doing a plug for Empress. I feel like they should, I should be on commission. Look. <laughs> Um, and then I guess from the beer kind of side for me, it stems to anything bar based. So as you can see behind Craig, we've got a lot of um, geeky tikis. I mean, th there's a lot going on on that bar. <laughs> and then I've obviously got bars. So and, you know, the, the, the Rancor Tooth um, beer flight was on my list of items that I needed to get. So when I got to Disney to get there, I came out with a lot of tiki stuff from there i didn't think i was going to buy everything but i just went a bit crazy um and then outside of that i'm really into gaming and you know fallen order jedi survivor as you can see the cosplay situation comes from there as well um and then the droids for me i've got this little disco r2d2 t-shirt on but um yeah i think the age difference between me and my sister is like 15 years and i always remember when she used to watch Star Wars, I'd, I'd obviously try and annoy her all the way through, it, except for when the droids came on. That was the only bit I was really silent. So all of my early memories to do with Star Wars have to do with the droids. So, you know, when I got to meet Kenny, that was a that was a big deal. And and, and I got to dress as She-3PO at uh, the last uh, celebration and meet Anthony as well. So that was, that was a dream for me. <laughs> There's little surprise that we all made friends and hang out when we can. So... Yeah, tonight, as I say, we're going to talk about something that I think stems from our shared love of art and particularly paper goods, which is an Americanism that I was never familiar with, but I use all the time now, paper goods, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, things that are, you know, thin and floppy and don't take up much room, it's good stuff. But we came together uh, to bid on an auction of items that reflect this 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 fascination um, from a company that some people will be familiar with, Prop Store. Now, Kimberly, you love a Prop Store auction and get very excited when they come around. What can you tell us about kind of Prop Store and their background and and for, for people who don't you know might not know who they are? It, it, it's an event. It, it's just it is the event. Um, it's one of the biggest kind of costume movie props vendors in the world. I get so excited, especially if we get a catalogue. I mean, it's like the old days when I used to go through the August catalogue in the 80s, but like on acid. Um, and I used to watch a lot of QVC as well. As you can tell, this thing like really lights me up. Um, and anything to do with films, even even if it's like films I'm not even interested in, I'm like, in, I'm so invested in the story behind all of the items that are in the prop store. And it makes me want to buy them all, which is obviously they're really good at their marketing. Um, but they've been around since 1998. Um, the founder is a guy called Stephen Lane. Um, he's the founder and CEO. 
they do specialist auctions. So, for example, I really enjoyed the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul one that they had that was that was amazing. And then I think they've got one that's um, a specialised movie posters one on at the moment. But the big ones really are, I guess, the big city-based ones. So LA, London, um, you can bid by, you know, you can attend, you can do online, you can do phone. You can also do um, pre-reserves if you're not going to attend. If you're like, I really want this item and this is what I can go up to, similar to what you would do with eBay. You have to register for the auction and they have to do like all of their usual checks um, financially just to make sure you are the real deal because some of these kind of items, as you can imagine, go for hundreds of thousands of pounds. So they have to do that. You know, some of the stuff that they have is amazing. It's not just, you know, costumes or big props. There could be like scripts, artwork, as we've already discussed. There there could be like, you know, random, I don't know, anything and everything you can think of is going to be in this prop store auction. Um, But if you do want to kind of watch one, uh, the London one is very fast and furious. I'm just going to put that out there. It was um, it was intense. Um, I was on edge. <laughs> I was watching that one. The LA one was a little bit more relaxed. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit more you know, chilled. Um, not too chilled though. I still got really excited. Um, but if you are going to watch a whole day, some of these big kind of London, LA ones, they're kind of over like one to five days. And if you are watching like a whole day, there's over a thousand four hundred items in a day. Um, so you probably want to pick the section um, that your <laughs> item's going to be in and not commit the whole day. Because I didn't realize like how fast or slow it moved when I started watching them. And I think I spent seven hours one day and I wasn't even anywhere near <laughs> where I needed to be. And I just got so invested. So, you know, if you have an item that you want to bid for, I think the experience is, you know, it's good to be involved in it and you probably need to book the day off work if that is your, you know, thing that you want to do because that is part of it for me is like the experience and in terms of like items and things that have kind of sold for the highest reserves, the kind of most expensive costume that's ever been sold was the Superman costume and then the Star Wars item did come in top as you can imagine, from A New Hope. Um, so it's the screen-matched ILM X-Wing with, like, the red... I, I feel like we should put a photo up because you're not going to see it on my phone. But, um, yeah, this actually went for nearly £2.4 million. So I was very surprised. And then the second one was Deep Space Nine light-up USS Defiant model miniature. Um, but there's a lot of horror stuff that features in the top 20, and sometimes there is some kind of big horror collections which I love looking at and where there's like 200 items from one individual seller um so the horror ones are always good if you're into that kind of thing as well so yeah always always cool stuff a lot of times some Star Wars stuff unless like you say it's a specific auction to a specific show the one that we got involved in was billed as an entertainment memorabilia live auction and it came via um, Los Angeles on June the 28th Seems like days ago, but it was uh, it was right back in the heart of summer. And what I thought it'd be fun to do is just very quickly look back through those lots from that particular auction and, and divorce ourselves from our own budgets and our own display space and pick an item each that, you know, we'd, we'd love to own. And it can be a Star Wars item, it can be anything, will. Yeah, so um, I think my favourite thing that I saw in the whole auction um which I'm not a hundred percent sure, even if no money was money was no object that I'd get it. But I think the the thing that really just stood out to me the most was a piece of debris of Alderaan, uh, which was just a little piece of foam 
painted gray, like a space rock. Um, <laughs> and I think it was, I don't know what the final selling price was, but it was listed to go for somewhere between like $2,500 and $5,000. Um, <laughs> and they even had a little screenshot uh, listing with the auction of where you can see the rock floating by the window of the Millennium Falcon so that you know that that rock was in the movie, in fact. You know, I guess if money was no object, yeah, that might be the kind of ridiculous thing that I would love to have. Um, and I just like, I, I like the fact that we live in a world where there's someone out there who bought that and is very proud of owning that. The centerpiece of their collection. Absolutely. I mean, a movie like Star Wars is very well mined for its artifacts and its, uh, you know, its treasures. So, um, yeah, to, um, it sort of suggests that they found that at the bottom of the barrel. Um, <laughs> fair play to them for, match, for screen matching that piece of foam, you know. No, literally no stone gets unturned by the researchers that props to <laughs> uh, Robin, what did you pick? So I kind of stayed within what we had looked at that lot initially, but the vintage bookmarks are so beautiful. They had broken them up over lots, but the complete set. And yeah, it's uh, it's not big and flashy like an asteroid, but um, <laughs> it's. I think that classic art just really appeals to me. Yeah, I, th I think when it's something that connects with you from your childhood, it kind of trumps a lot of other factors you know there's yeah. a connection there which is great kimberly what did you go for i went for that childhood association as well so uh gremlins gremlins 2 were big, gremlins 2 was a big deal for me as a kid um so there, there was two lots there was one from gremlins one from gremlins 2 so the gremlins 2 lot was the george mogwai body with paint test head which didn't actually sell because i, I would have just loved that that, that's my aim to get one of those. I mean, one day I can dream. And then there was actually um, the director's gremlin puppet from the original gremlins in 1984 was on as well. But I know the reserve for that was up to $130,000. So that's probably a bit out of my price range. I don't know what the final cost that it went for, um, but I know that the reserve was seventy dollars to $130,000. <laughs> that would have looked so cool. I would have found a space for it. And it came on a stand and everything. I'm just trying to sell it to myself because it came on a stand. <laughs> there always seems to be quite a lot of Gremlins items in those those auctions. I guess you know some of those scenes were the screen were full of them. So you know there's a there's a few kicking around. Just one more. Like <laughs> One of the flagship pieces, one of the pieces that they used to promote this particular auction was the um, ceremonial gown that Carrie Fisher wore at the end of A New Hope when she was dishing out the medals. And if you've ever been to a celebration recently or seen images from there, you know, this, this dress is pretty iconic and something that they've had for quite some time. And this time they, they offered it up for auction, um, but it didn't sell. Uh, they had it between... I think it was one and two million pounds. And I think it just fell short of that in the 90s. So that's still with them. And we will see that come around again, I'm sure. And would be a lovely piece. But I think it's just, I don't know, if it was in the corner of the room, it would just be a white gown. And I think if people visited, you'd have to explain what it was. And it could be Lizette Anthony's gown from Krull. Um, 
That's a deep cut. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I think I think you know as icons of cinema go, I would have gone for the screen use Michelle Pfeiffer catsuit corset and cowl. There's a whole kind of load of little bits of bits of costume. Although when you read the description, it said the material that it's made of has not survived very well. It's very fragile. I probably wouldn't fit in it, but I think you could make a great display. Out of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. So yeah, a couple of Star Warsy things, a couple of non-Star Warsy things. That's good. <laughs> Meow. So. You know, we, we've we've talked about our love of paper goods, and in this auction, particularly alongside things like scripts and storyboard, which you often see, were a lot of original pieces of art. And you know, when the um, when the the, the catalogue was was um, was released, Kimberly, you were sat there on the laptop, kind of flicking through, going, "Shall we see what Star Wars stuff there is?" And you know, oh, there's these bookmarks and. Do you fancy these bookmarks? Or they, were, they were grand. And I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? Those bookmarks aren't worth the grand. I mean, I, they are going up in price, but they're not quite there yet. And I just thought, That's a, that feels like a mistake. It feels like, you know, they're in an area that they don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, I sort of had a look at, at the listing, and it was the original drawings by Patricia Wynn that were used to create the bookmarks that, Robin, I know you've got you've got a set. You've certainly got a set on your t-shirt. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, when I saw this t-shirt, I was like, I have to have it. Yeah, I don't have um, a set, but I have several. And I somewhere somehow someone gifted me one as a kid that has served me well. Yeah, that, I mean, I've I've always kind of liked them, and in the last couple of years, I've sort of put the best part of a set together. I did an unboxing. You can go and see that somewhere on YouTube. Uh, but they've, they've got this sort of Art Nouveau kind of framing device. They're all different. They're all full figure and they're, they're, they're a beautiful set. So yeah, looking at these, looking at these items and clicking around, you realize there's actually, there's a whole load of stuff that was included in this particular auction that all seemed to stem from one source, which was a gentleman called William Plum, who, you know, all of the, uh, the items that were connected to him had a little bit of blurb. Will, I can ask you if you could find out anything more about this guy, because clearly he was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, honestly, the the blurb that Prop Store included um, was pretty comprehensive in terms of what I could find on the internet about William Plum. But essentially, he was a collector of original Star Wars art um, and a lot of other kind of sci-fi and fantasy art. And I think he started really big in the early and mid-80s. Um, but the I think the interesting thing and probably how he grew his collection is he he reached out directly to a lot of the artists who were making this work uh, and formed personal relationships with them. Um, so people like obviously Ralph McQuarrie, um, Drew Struzan, who did a lot of poster design, Lawrence Noble, who made the now famous, you know, Bronze Yoda. Um, William Plum was actually apparently one of the original set of the bronze Yodas that were made. He was in on that commission for that original piece. So uh, he was kind of at the root of a lot of kind of that early Star Wars art. 
And one thing uh, that I found, and they do mention it in the prop store thing, is that in uh, 86, um, he put together an art show at the Matarango Museum in Ridgecrest, California, um, called Space Fantasy, Space Reality. Um, and it featured a lot of Star Wars art, art that was donated directly from a lot of these artists who he had developed relationships with. So it was put on as a benefit for people with disabilities uh, in Lucasfilm and a lot of these artists again donated a lot of work in the show. And there's a really great poster um, that maybe we can show the image of with C-3PO and R2 watching a space shuttle launch um, with this astronaut in a very sci-fi uh, wheelchair also watching along. It's a really great piece of art. So that's basically what I've got about William yeah. Plum. That's, that, that's great. I mean, we owe so much to these pioneer collectors. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because we've just had another guest join. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those listening, what's this what's this beautiful cat's name? This oh. is Fizzy. Fizzy. Oh <laughs> spent several minutes trying to get up. It's gonna <laughs> jump on those shelves and I we'll have it on record well, there's glass. For there's the glass insurance. <laughs> that was so cute. Yeah. We have oh, cats well, behind doors. I, I love that you have a cat friend now. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, we all got distracted by the uh, by, by the cat there, but I could um, not get distracted. It was cute. Meow. <laughs> so we, we we have this auction that uh, is full of these uh, amazing lots of original artwork, which we will um, which we will look at in a bit more detail momentarily. But you know, the first thing I did when I saw this stuff was was send a link to you guys um, <laughs> because I knew you'd get a kick out of it just as much as me. But you know. If you know the prop store, you know you're talking seriously money. You know, it's not just the hammer price, it's the fees and the shipping and everything else. You have to kind of bear that in mind. But it wasn't long before you kind of came back and said, well, you know, if you wanted to kind of get together and maybe we could afford one of these lots between us um, because, you know, they're bound to go for a, a decent amount of money. And I think, you know, ultimately we did, uh, we did, we did a pretty good job of justifying it. <laughs> to ourselves, which I think is sort of stage one in any one of these kind of uh, little auction adventures when you're, um, yeah, when you're having to stump up like, some coin. I was going to say, I feel like Will and I frequently had the conversation when you first sent it to us. It was like a regular part of our week somewhere it would come up. Should we, should we reach out to them and see if they want to? Well, I feel like we can't do it on our own, but like maybe we should reach out. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's good about these 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 kind of auctions is when they're looking at lots like this. There's lots of bits to it, so you can divide them up. You can share between uh, between yourselves, like the bits that you like, and there's even probably a bit left over to um, to sell on to help Heart fund the purchase. Please, I am a poor refugee. Captain, do you recognize this? Yes, it, it was here in my office. I thought I could sell it for food. My family is starving. No excuse. You shall make a valuable example to others of your kind who think to steal from the Empire. She's far more valuable than you realize. Uh, how do you mean? To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history. Philosophy. Art. So I will ask you again, Captain. 
Do you know what this is? Some primitive native trinket. It's a Kalikori. A revered twilight heirloom passed from parent to child through generations. Worthless to outsiders, priceless to family. Robin, I mean, you've had a look over some of the, um, the highlights of that sale. Anything kind of stand out? Anything that you, surprised you or you went, yeah, that um, yeah, more so than I thought? It was, um, you know, it's funny hearing Kimberly share how slow the LA one was because it felt very overwhelmingly fast to me. I was <laughs> so glad I was the one not trying to follow anything. I can say with confidence, I feel so happy for the bidder that got to the bookmark lots, that they're together as they should be and hopefully in a good home. But yeah, and I feel like the other one that um, was pretty popular in terms of it had a lot of bids was the original pop-up art book. That was another one that went quickly and the price climbed quickly. But I'm all new to this. I have never done an auction before in my life trying to kind of track it live as we were watching it was very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I mean we 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 had to be quite strategic, didn't we? And we had a we got together on a call like this and we looked at the lots and I would say there were probably off the top of my head maybe 50 or so do you agree with that sort of Star Wars based kind of mm-hmm. early artwork type of things. So there were lots of stuff from Random House some of the activity books, although those I haven't cross-referenced them, but they didn't look to be complete. There were kind of a handful of illustrations from, from some of the different books. I think one of the pop, pop books was looked pretty complete, but another one was just like say selection of, of of imagery. There were some comic book art that kind of sat outside of those book ranges. So we looked at what was there, what order it came in. <laughs> So we kind of had, well, if we, we could go for that one there and if we lose out, we could back up one here. So so we did spend some time being quite um, analytical. But in the end, we picked a lot, which had a good balance of not being the most iconic piece of work in the whole auction in terms of original art, which, you know, in your head makes you think, well, that might not go as high. But converse to that, I think there were like 26 individual pieces of art. And it all came from the Star Wars Word puzzle book. Okay. And it's not something I can hand on heart say I saw at the time in the UK. It may have been sold here like a lot of the, the random house items. Um, but the more we looked into that, and to be fair, we probably looked into it more after we bought it to help again further justify our uh, our purchase. Um, but but will I mean, what do we know about this this puzzle book? I mean, is it? Yeah. I I see it come up from time to time, but there don't seem to be a lot of them crop up on eBay. When they do, they're not that expensive. So give us give us what you know from your research and perspective. Sure. Yeah. So uh, here's a copy of it right here. Um, And I'll say this is not one, you know, Robin mentioned that we do collect some of the old children's books and activity books and things. And this is not one that we had previously had or or come across. So it uh, was published by Random House in 1984. It was written by a woman named Linda Quinton, um, who, as far as I can tell, 
doesn't have her name attached to any other Star Wars related material. I'm, you know, maybe she was an in-house employee for Random House or something like that. Um, but it was illustrated and because we're talking about the artwork, this is where we're really, you know, paying attention uh, by Scottish artist Ken Barr. So Ken Barr also didn't do a whole lot of other Star Wars work. He did the illustrations for this puzzle book, which is a book of all like um, crosswords and word searches and all different kind of word games that, you know, we'll see. Um, the only other Star Wars book that I could find that he did art for, the art was actually also in this same auction. Um, and it is this um, Star Wars uh, question and answer book about computers that has a bunch of lovely illustrations of R2 and C3PO working on some really um, space age computers. So yeah, that the book about computers, it was also in that same William Plum collection and, and sold at this auction. So Ken Barr did though do a lot of other artwork in his career. Um, he worked for both DC and Marvel. He did a lot of war comics, like the kind of GI combat comics for DC. And uh, he did art for a number of things from Marvel, um, Hulk, Planet of the Apes, Doc Savage, um, a lot of horror covers for magazines like Creepy and Vampirella. But I think the big thing that he did was um, kind of pulp covers for sci-fi and fantasy novels. He did a lot of those. He, he had these just really super colorful, super lush, um, you know, illustrations and paintings, which, of course, the work we bought is all black line um, <laughs> illustrations, uh, not necessarily super representative of his style, but um, maybe a very unique thing amongst a lot of the work that he did. Um, so the only couple other bits of Star Wars paraphernalia that I could find that he did he did the cover for uh, Questar number one in 1978. So Questar was um, like a sci-fi magazine, um, maybe like a semi-pro. It wasn't somewhere in between like a fanzine and, you know, a, a glossy published magazine. And he did this beautiful cover that has like Obi-Wan's face and uh, Luke, Leia, and 3PO in a um, the Tatooine land speeder, um, totally not a canon image, um, but <laughs> um, really beautiful illustrations. That was in in seventy eight, so very very early on. And then I was able to find him featured on a Topps uh, Star Wars Galaxy trading card from the nineties. Um, that they featured a piece of concept art from seventy seven that was a poster concept art that apparently was never published that just has this great big Vader and all the characters kind of below with some explosions and stormtroopers flying everywhere. Chewie's like choking a stormtrooper and all kinds of good stuff. So it seems that's about it. The, these two books um, and then a few like one-off illustrations for star Wars, but he was mainly known for doing the kind of pulp sci-fi fantasy cover art. Yeah. But a named artist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I think, you know, Discovering this stuff and uh, and and sort of knowing that it was a significant job, it was, and these are significant pieces. I was very excited to learn that he had an anthology. Oh, nice! Check that out. But then it's it's not very, not very thick. <laughs> but it gives you an idea of of some of the work that he'd done, and you know, to your point. Well, the, the, the detail in, in some of this stuff is um, is exquisite and covers a lot of, like you say, different kind of horror and you know, popular franchises. There you go. There's a popular franchise <laughs> all about space. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think just having that connection to a named artist you can point at and say, you know, this was a well-respected guy in his field, talented draftsman, brilliant at bringing to life some of these fantastical characters. It just adds that extra bit of richness to to what we got in the end and 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 made us that little bit more excited for it. I mean, we've launched this show. It's basically a glorified unboxing because we won the items back in July. I think we bid a sensible amount for them. Um, they were it was in the low thousands of dollars. Um, but when you break that down into the individual lots, I think I worked it out at about maybe like 40, 50 pounds per item, which if you were in a gallery and you were kind of browsing the walls and you saw this original piece of art by Scottish artist Ken Barr and it was 50 quid, you kind of go, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm down with that. So I, I think you have to look at it from from that perspective as well. Because it wasn't just a whim. It wasn't just us going, oh, we fancy, we fancy owning that. You know, we're clearly, clearly into this stuff and we'll love it and give it the attention it deserves, which is part of why we sat here talking tonight and sharing it with everybody. Because, you know, it's nice to document. You know, we're not just going to squirrel it away. A real bargain. Will, you have it with you. You have the package. Yep. <laughs> All right, yeah, so I've got the box here. Um, it has been, as I mentioned, sitting uh, unopened. We've been waiting to get all together here to take a look at it. So I'll say, I will say, it came very well packed from Prop Store. Um, I did open it enough to make sure that things were safe. So the first thing got right on top here is our uh, official Prop Store Certificate of Authenticity, uh, embossed and holographically marked. So we know it's legit. Uh, and then they included a copy of the actual book. Um, so my other one, Craig ordered a second copy of the book so that we could each have one to share. Uh, <laughs> but the order did come with a copy of the book so we can reference all the things. And on the back of that is the first piece of art, which is this just spiral of letters um, from one of the puzzles with no actual art by Ken Barr on this part. But uh they threw that in there anyway. <laughs> From page 53. Oh, so it's marked. Uh, okay. Cool. All right. So now we'll get to the first. It came uh, in several wrap packages here. Um, and we'll open up the first one and start looking through. Ooh. All right. We're going to start right off with a pretty good one here. Um, we've got a... Han and Chewie. That's beautiful. Oh, so they are all covered with uh, kind of a glycine. So there's our... These would have been original line art pieces that would have been photographed under a camera mm -hmm. uh, to, to get it into, um, into the artwork that would have gone to press. What's the board it's on? It looks like CS10 board or some sort of... Yeah. Um, Bainbridge board. Okay. <laughs> quality, quality professional art supplies. Is that image, has that been corrected? What do you mean by that? Or was it, were there some bits painted over in white and had been redone? Oh, there is. It looks right, like, I think I remember Chewy, that. Chewy was almost completely repainted. 
if you look at him closely, it's probably hard to see on the video, but there is like a whiteout sheen to him, and you can see that there was a drawing underneath that they redid a lot of. And a few little bits on Han's face, uh, kind of by the crease of his mouth, were kind of whited out there. Yeah. So, which is all part of the, you know, part of the illustration process. Somebody somewhere didn't think Chewie was good enough, or maybe he Ken thought he could do a better job. But I just love those little details about this stuff. It's not art that was made for gallery walls. It was, te- it was a technical exercise to produce products. You know. So, right. All right, so our next piece, this outline of the Death Star, (laughs) which is just the main panel and a little bit of detailing around the edge. Uh, So does it tell you which page it's from? Yeah, so this is page 45, and I believe the reason it is hollow is that it was filled with the word search, or with the crossword, rather. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just seeing some of the illustrative elements and the whole thing, which is, again, interesting. All right. Now we've got some training scene from Dagobah. That's cool. I think this, I think I remember seeing this as part of a two page spread. Um, yeah, I like see. this one. Page 40 and 41. Yeah. I want to see a back to back. So this went across two pages there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool I mean and to have you know those displayed together would be amazing you can I buy more books but <laughs> anyway, I mean, each that. of these pieces of board they're, they're sort of somewhere between okay it's UK A4 and A3 yeah um, they're not yeah they're, not they're probably about 8 by 10 or you know, maybe a little bigger than that 9 by 10 9 by 11 which uh, is a nice size for people to put on the wall isn't it I'm going to take up a lot of. You can still see a little bit, very faintly, of the kind of blue pencil sketch marks um, where they've sort of laid out, especially in this one where the panels are going to go. Again, probably impossible to see in the video, but some of that really faint marking. Because blue didn't pick up on the on the cameras. Right. All right. Next is a good one of. Jabba and Salacious paired with Luke and Yoda. <laughs> nice. I mean, what impressed me about it, you know the images that are on? I mean, props are always do very good imagery, photographic studio stuff for the three D material. But for this stuff, it's it was really clear, and you could see what you were buying. And you can right. see the detail in some of this work, and it just—I mean, what's it like in hand? Ah, uh, it's it's great. I mean, some very—it looks like a combination of like brush um, and pen work. Um, so some very fine line pen work, and then some of the shadows are filled in with what looks like maybe a small brush. Here we got a couple of Ewoks spelling out Endor. Uh. <laughs> oh man, that is good. <laughs> and that that image below them of the the heroes tied to stakes oh. in the ground rather than you know the the poles that they were carried on in the movie so it's a little bit a little bit of artistic license being used right. and these are all drawn directly on the board so it's not paper mounted to the board these are right. yeah it is illustration board 
And yeah, definitely, as you mentioned before, some you can see some whiteouts in the Ewoks' faces uh, where they've kind of done a little reworking. All right. So we got a pretty good uh, Falcon flying away from TIE Fighters here. That's very uh, dynamic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much in this lot. Yeah. This is, and this is only one of two. I think there's a whole nother pack in the box still. Um, <laughs> we're just in the, in the first section here. So we'll keep going. Ah, uh, yes. There you go. Vader's here. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are some um, nice Vader's from memory. Yeah. yeah. There's a few really good ones. It's the second big Jabba. Yeah. yeah, this is Jabba with hands. The other Jabba doesn't really have, well, fingers, I guess. That The the other Jabba drawing, he just is kind of nubbed, I think. But oh, really? I thought like a, so. I like thought a Barbie I wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice image of Luke as well. And, and you know, oddly juxtaposed, you know. I'm sure yeah. it wasn't, wasn't on his mind how these images sat together. It was more of, you know, how can I best use this? Expensive art board. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, there's room to draw. So on this one, I'll draw these three images. Yeah, sure. All right. Next is a pretty good illustration of Luke. Oh, that's beautiful. Luke. <laughs> Not lovely. Thinking hard about whatever word puzzle he's uh, <laughs> introducing to us. Yeah. That looks like. His Jedi lightsaber, but he's in Dagobah. His, his best spin Dagobah gear. Yeah. So a little bit of an anomaly there for the nerds among us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next is galaxy background. Very nice Ooh. star work. I really like that. Mm-hmm. So are all these boards, they are all the same size, aren't they? Uh, they're cut differently. They're pretty close, or they might all. Well, there might be a little bit of variation, but they're. But say you wanted to frame three and have them up, hmm. that all frame. To, oh to yeah, I think you could you could standardize it. You know, actually, yeah, I think they are all the same. I've just been rotating them as I've been setting them aside. Hmm. Um, so. So all right. cool. So we've got our walker outline. Yeah, I quite like these. I think they're, they're quite, um, they're at pop party, aren't they? Unintentionally. Right. They're quite stylish and stylized. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how the, like, the function of it being an activity book kind of influenced the art. Um, I remember seeing this one had a very strangely shaped crossword puzzle where the... Uh, <laughs> The yeah. game goes down the legs on both sides. You, don't, you totally don't read that as a, an ATST, do you? It's a... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we got our shuttle outline. Cool. They make a great set, those ones. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they would look. They would look appropriate next to each other. Yeah. I got one with quite a bit of detail on it. We got a good scene. Of Luke, Vader, and the Emperor up on top. And then Chewie and 3PO down below. Yeah, that one's cool. Yeah, his <laughs> giant Wookiee hands holding the Rubio head. Mm-hmm. We're, all be- we're all being drawn to the same ones. 
We'll have to have our negotiations off camera in case things get heated. <laughs> yeah. Part two won't be available for the viewing public. <laughs> oh. Two indoor scenes here. They're cool, aren't they? I, th I think what's interesting is uh, this book was released in 84, did we say? 84, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's right at the end of the line. I think that the, the action figures ran to 80, 85. So, you know, this was, this was the dying gasps, uh, if you like. But it, it's interesting to see how these don't pay a lot of lip service to a lot of the imagery that was out there. You know, you, you, you do see a lot of art and you kind of go, I recognize that because it was the press image that, you know, was used on all kinds of stuff. Whereas this is really, those two in particular, they're angles I've never seen. You know, they're a real interpretation by an artist who knows his stuff, you know, knows about perspective, knows about composition. So I think this is quite quite an unsung item. <laughs> well, I'm going to completely undermine that point that you just made <laughs> with this next one, which has um, probably the most iconic of the uh, poses oh, of Vader there that we've seen, it's that we've definitely seen in other art. Yes. Um. <laughs> well, for the most part, for the most pay a lot of service to established imagery. Uh, all right, that's the end of box one. So let me get out the second one. All right, so our next one. This is interesting because. Might be hard to see, but we've actually got a faint blue outline of Boba Fett there. Oh yeah, that says oh. It up Boba there Fett from Style Sheet, <laughs> and then it's a Han illustration next to him. Interesting. That is cool, isn't it? Boba Fett and Han Solo, page twenty-eight. Let's see what it looks like in the book. Did they only use one, or did they? I wonder if. They reused the Boba Fett art from something else, and he just had to draw a Han to match him. Yeah, the lot well, the line weights look different, don't they? Yeah. Interesting. It's good stuff, isn't it? Ooh. Here's one of the whole family. Uh, look at that. It's the money shot. <laughs> and that obviously is based on one of the publicity stills. Yeah. Although, does Chewie have his hand in the air in that? No, I, no. I, yeah. So, little little liberties taken. Mm -hmm. Combo shot of Best Ben and the Sarlacc Pit. So, what's some of that? Um, some of those notes on the overlay. It says this only for the Sarlacc Pit. I don't know what that means. You know, each one. Craig, have you encountered this on anything before? Each one has a percentage marked. Which is, I would say, scaling. Oh, scaling. Oh. As opposed to strength of ink. That makes sense. You know, he drew it at the size that works, and then they've come to measure it and go, you need to reduce it down. Right. So one of my first job was operating a PMT camera, which means <laughs> photomechanical transfer. And it's like a huge thing, like the size of a telephone box. You lived in a dark room with chemicals and red lights. And you set little wheels, like this, and you sort of scale things up so you would draw a logo or an illustration like that. And if you wanted it to be super crisp, you know, you'd do it twice the size and put it on the glass and reduce it to half the size, and everything would just just crisp up and look really cool. But 
I, I wasn't Ken Barr. I didn't know I was doing as much as this guy. <laughs> All right. We have another very dramatic Vader uh, entry here. Ooh. Ooh. Game. Look at that cape game. That is the win. That's quite a standout, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It looks like a flower. I like the top the top drawing. It's cool. Tatooine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot so of very fine hatch marks there to make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, here's another kind of classic classic pose. Oh yes. <laughs> That's like my very similar to the R2 on my leg, yeah. I feel like I should get a C3PO next so that we have matching ones. <laughs> oh, that would be so great. We have a good duel. Yeah. I liked that one in the catalogue. It looked cool. One of my favourite scenes, though. You going to show us or are you just going to look at it? Just going to look and quietly not do anything. <laughs> He's lost. Really great little details on Ben's face there. Get his little beard marks and everything. It's really nice up close. Sorry that you guys oh, are up to see this terrible screen. Um, I get to enjoy it all in person here. <laughs> Humble um, break. <laughs> a few more outlines. Ooh. This is a pretty good one for the outlines. Yeah. They're definitely set on their eyes. Yeah. Cool. Well, then you could have a set of dark side and a set of light side. Yeah, no rebos yet. Robin's <laughs> on it. Robin's on it. Look, she's already thinking of the display. Oh, playing Wordle at the blackboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love how this from hate to love. I, I just like that. I just like the shock stance. Like, <laughs> he liked that kind of image where, and they did this with C three PO and R two D two a lot. Where they take them out of their Star Wars context and put them into a relatable earthbound context. So right. the Helix stationary ads and things like that would have C-3PO in a school cap and a little satchel and um, <laughs> R2-D2 in a mortarboard because they were always our entry point, weren't they? We saw that world through their eyes. So it made sense for them as slightly more comedic characters to adopt that role in a lot of material. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus, I sound like Professor Star Wars. Professor Star Wars. Reporting for duty. Like that one. Uh, um, that is, that's badass. And some more space. I like space. <laughs> <laughs> See that that pose, that Luke pose, you know, we've seen that a lot, but mm -hmm. Uncle Owen there. Yeah, that's interesting. Next to him, that's quite left field, isn't it? It's cool. I like that one. See, you know, by, by 1984, we knew that Uncle Owen wasn't the major character. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there was direction for that. Mm. Like if we need a drawing of Uncle Owen, if it was just like, oh, we just need this, and he's just drawing things that he's thinking of, you know, like what context would you? Mm. Yeah, I think it was a so the the puzzle. What did Luke and his Uncle Owen do for a living on the desert planet of Tatooine? You can find out by solving this Rebus puzzle. Um, so anyone want to solve that puzzle live on air? Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Something rake. Is it a wave? Yeah, it's a wave. Wave and rake. <laughs> Moisture. Mo ice tur. Moisture rose. Moisture. 
moisture moisture i don't know farm <laughs> horse it's gonna be the quiz later <laughs> this portion of the podcast yeah we can cut that we yeah. did a terrible job solving that puzzle at least you look at the picture <laughs> But you should definitely scan that puzzle and use it in yeah. your next uh, Generation Skywalker trivia night. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Although people were hardcore at the quiz at the brewery, so they probably oh. got it. <laughs> that is proper cool. That is stunning, isn't it? Yeah. I so love the bottom one. of this one, the bottom half has a sheet of paper taped over it. I'm curious to see what's underneath. Like but on top? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um so where it where it looks like a nice solid line here, that's a sheet of paper. There's tape tape around the front. <laughs> Mystery. How hard how hard is it stuck down? Yeah, well yeah. figure it out. <laughs> oh god. Oh, it keeps going. I can peel out the corner just a little bit and see down enough that it looks like the background continues to go. Okay. That's cool. So they only needed half the frame. Yeah. They've just so cropped it. <laughs> nice. Whoever ends up with that one can decide whether or not they uh, <laughs> modify it to see the rest of it. That's cool, Alan. All right. Got another pretty iconic pose. Yeah. It's the image from the sail barge, isn't it? It was on front of the storybook, I think. He pays a lot of attention to the detail in Luke's hair. Mm. I mean, yeah. At least that's what I can see from here is the, like, he has very good fine line details on Luke's hair. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd be very surprised if there weren't a lot of this type of his work out there. He's clearly mm -hmm. very good at it. Oh, you know, you this. Just, this. He looks. He looks very happy. Who's that then? Is that is that Lumat or is that Warrock? Because they were both archers, weren't they? They both came with a little. It's Ewok, Ewok page nine. Each generic Ewok. <laughs> page nine. The Hunger Games Ewoks. <laughs> so you'll probably have to compare their little hoods. <laughs> All right, and we're down to our last one here. We will flop our. That which is, is a. Professor C-3PO, Professor Star Wars. <laughs> What's that writing? Is that something? Oh, it says flop. And underneath here, it says we will flop art, which I assume means rotating it or mirroring it. I love it, that. Right? Yeah, that's cool. So page 19. Yes, indeed. He is facing oh. the opposite. Oh, yeah. Direction. That's cool. And that's, that's the set. How many do we have? Yeah. Twenty-eight pieces in the set. That's I, I'd, I'd say that's a fantastic return on our investment. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting stuff. That's very cool. How do we all feel about that? Now we've seen it. I'm surprised at the pieces that I thought I wouldn't care about. Like just based on the auction pictures. Like I'm excited. Well, yeah, I'm excited to go up and upstairs and look at them. <laughs> but like. I'm surprised at the, you know, the the pieces that I thought, oh, yeah, we can totally part with some of these, right? Like thinking that I wouldn't care, but being a lot more intrigued by those pieces. It will be an interesting exercise to 
divide these up, but we will do it fairly and everybody will walk away happy. I am 100% sure of that. There's There's so much in there. Um, and I did go through this experience with Mark when we bought the letter set art. You know, yeah, it would be great to have all of it, but just to have the bits you've got, you, it's 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 just great. It's just they're just you know tangible bits of the things that we love, particularly from the time that we loved them the most. <laughs> Certainly speaking, as probably the oldest person on the call, um, <laughs> would we recommend this experience to to listeners and and viewers? Uh, if you feel like you have the resources or you have enough other friends who combined have the resources, as in our case, um, I think it's exciting. Now, I'm coming from the privileged position of the one who actually has gone through the box and seen the <laughs> person. But I think, Craig, you can relate to this after your Letraset purchase. Seeing that actual original art where you can see the lines of the brush and the pen um, on there, it makes it so real in a way that the you know printed just black line work from the activity books feels so kind of just cold and crisp and whatever but this you can see the artist's hand yeah um and i think that's a really um exciting thing now of course i I come from like you know the art world already anyway so um i'm biased in that favor but um seeing that yeah there was a guy who sat with this board and drew these things um yeah it's really exciting it's very cool it's beautiful beautiful stuff um and as an experience the props of experience anything that people should watch out for we've talked about knowing when your lots come out and being online when uh, (laughs) when you need to be i mean that's not the only way you can get involved you can do telephone bids so you're kind of in the room but not in the room and obviously you know if you are privileged enough to live near some of the sites you can go and, and be there yourself but i think you know one of the benefits for us was having you guys in the States that we could get this delivered to because for us to pay the customs charge on a, you know, a set of items like this would have added considerable amount more to, um, to the total. So that's, that's been a good thing as well. So a transatlantic coming together of, of funds and passion. Um, I'd recommend it. As long as, I obviously, would, as long as I, you're not bidding I, against us on our, on the next thing we go for. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would also recommend it. And on the flip side of that, having somebody who's done this before, take knowing that they need to find out when the lot's going up and taking care of the bidding part as we were kind of all frantically messaging, wait, what's our bidding number? Wait, was that you? Wait. Uh, um, <laughs> it, Did we it wait? It felt very fast to someone like me who has no experience with it. And so feel very lucky that you all have an experience with it and so that you were totally on board with being like, yeah, we'll be up. We'll have the time set. We'll be on in charge of making sure it happens. So yeah. If you've never done it before, even just going on and watching some like Kimberly talking about just enjoying watching it just to see how it goes and feel that the pacing and the, um, because it was pretty frantic. Um, and I was at work <laughs> when we <laughs> tried to call and, uh, had to shut my office door. And then there were people knocking on my office door and I was freaking out. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think um, there's one because we went over, we went, we did go over our original <laughs> pot that we had and you don't have much time to think about it. So I think you kind of need to, you know, you have to think in the moment and, you know, like, am I willing to lose this and 
if so it, how many more bids is it and you need to be kind of I guess if you if, even if you're in it as a group I guess if you're the person doing the bidding you have to be willing to kind of go actually am I willing to put that extra bit in do you see what I mean um yeah. and having that trust between you because you have like a split second to make that decision and Craig was going what do we do and I was like I'm just doing it <laughs> Just, well, we're so grateful, you executive decision that are going yes. over budget. I think yes. uh, we're all super happy with it. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, from my point of view, it's great fun to just do something different with some friends who just, you know, I know you guys pretty well now. And, you know, to see your enthusiasm going through it tonight, it's been, been great. You know, I think everyone's very happy and you know, the next job is to is to live with these things for a couple of days and, and get back together and, and work out how we navigate the process of, of splitting them. Because, you know, we've, we've talked about this, you know, don't think it's like the, the bookmarks where they belong together. No question. No question. I mean, and I think there were, you know, several up per board. You know, I think if you speak to most stars collectors, this, this is quite an obscure vintage item. It was something I kind of knew was out there, but it wasn't something that I ever paid attention to or was desperate to get hold of. And it was only just through the process of digging through these lots and looking at this work, thinking, wow, this is, this is really good. And it's done by this guy and I can see where it fits. And, and just, just the pieces in themselves are just so beautiful and elegant. They're not big, showy, splashy Marvel covers. You know, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a sort of, there's a beautiful kind of, delicacy to them that that really appeals to me so um so yeah i think we all did well we can pat ourselves on the back and 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 yeah recommend that if there's stuff out there that people see at these big auctions and you think they think it's out of their league maybe it's not you know if they can hook up with some like-minded people yeah i think you make a good point of like it it doesn't have to be like the mecca thing right like it doesn't have to be an original comic cover especially you know, and so much of our overlap is art, you know, our interests. Um, and so I know I'm just so excited to have a piece of like original art as someone who appreciates art and loves art, but is not an artist. I'm like, this is so cool. We, uh, we got an original piece of art. It's amazing. So, yeah. I think that's been a fun night um, looking at this stuff and uh, we will continue the conversation, but for now we'll say, goodbye and we'll be back with another show very soon if you've enjoyed this you can check out our other podcasts on podbean or spotify or apple podcasts wherever you enjoy your audio experiences um, this will go out as a video as well i know that sometimes it's hard when we're talking about visual things and we forget to describe what we're looking at but hopefully we've done a good job um, but if you do want to check out the video it will be very visually rich um you'll see our smiling faces uh you'll see little puppy dogs you'll see pussy cats uh, and you'll see this amazing artwork up close um so check that out on youtube uh, and if you want to follow us on social media we are across most of them although it's an ever-changing landscape but you know instagram facebook just search for generation skywalker and we'll crop up in some way shape or form um but i think that's it so you know, for tonight, I'll say goodbye to Kimberly. Bye. Will. Bye. <laughs> and Robin. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Um, we are Generation Skywalker, all eras, all passions, all styles. <laughs>